This is The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, San Jose's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. After numerous candidates competed in the June primary election for a shot at becoming sheriff of Santa Clara County, two are heading for a runoff race in November, former Palo Alto Police Chief Bob Johnson and retired Sheriff Captain Kevin Jensen. Both are looking to take on the top law enforcement job, with incumbent Sheriff Lori Smith not running for re-election and currently embroiled in a civil corruption case. Up first, joining me is Bob Johnson, former Palo Alto Police Chief. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Of course. So um, first, I'd like to just start with you giving an opening statement on who you are and what you aim to do with your candidacy. No, that's fine. The uh, name is Bob Johnson, as you mentioned. As you also mentioned, I just recently retired as the chief from Palo Alto Police Department. And my 36 years in law enforcement experience has really formed from working three different organizations, the largest sheriff's department in the world in Los Angeles, and leading two very engaged Bay Area police departments during the past 10 years as a chief of police. And I think what I'm most excited about is the opportunity of knowing what we can accomplish in a short time, because as a chief, I've been able to fill officer vacancies, address crime, enhance community relations, And obviously, during the last few years alone, I've successfully navigated Palo Alto through a -a once-in-a-century pandemic, major budget reduction, staffing challenges, and police reform. And I've implemented numerous innovative strategies to reduce crime. So as the Santa Clara Sheriff's Office, I'll do the same. And I really look to working and building those uh, collaborations. And the fact is, the the Sheriff's Office needs a leader who's equipped and prepared to face the challenges it's confronting. And I do look forward to that opportunity. So thank you for that opportunity to answer that question. And thank you for that statement. Well, let's get into some other questions now. Um, Regarding the office of sheriff, there's been a lot of controversy with outgoing Sheriff Lori Smith, uh, from the way her office handled inmates at the jail to allegedly handing out concealed carry permits to friends and donors. That's what the current civil case is about. Uh, So whoever ends up as sheriff is already going to have an uphill battle with the heightened attention on law enforcement over the last few years. I'm curious to know that if, if elected, what will you do to rebuild community trust? Yeah, the part about the see, I'll address the issues in the jails, I think, in some of the other questions. But as far as the CCWs, I've advocated for the administrative processing of those applications to be handled by a third party vendor. I think that'll help in restoring a little bit of the public trust. But I've also advocated that a psychological exam be part of the process, along with extending the upfront training requirements. As far as building public trust with the community, I'll do what I've done in all three of the cities I've led, and that's implement a community advisory group within the three contract cities and at least one in the correctional side of the department. This is in addition to enhancing the accountability measures that uh, I'm hoping we'll speak about later. Yes, and that was actually my next question was, uh, what would you do to restore accountability in the sheriff's office after it's been plagued with years of scandals? And and just for uh, clarification as well, just the other day at the Board of Supervisors meeting, they heard a report about um, injuries sustained to an inmate, Andrew Hogan. We've we've covered this um, last year, I believe. Uh, The county basically found that this report said the sheriff and undersheriff really did nothing to help or um, make this investigation go any easier. So I, I think on some level, given that that report just came out, I think there's a little bit more attention on restoring accountability to the sheriff's office. No, and for good reason. And that's one of the things that I'm most proud of is because, you know, I was and I actually continue to be engaged in the topic of police reform. 
And fundamentally, it starts with accountability. And when that nationwide movement for criminal justice began uh, in 2020, I didn't take a position on the sidelines. I leaned in in a series of public meetings to discuss police reform. I worked with the city leadership, the city council to dramatically expand the scope of investigations reviewed by the department's independent auditor. And I would immediately ask the board of supervisors to expand the scope of work that Oakland is currently doing to include all uses of force, because right now it's very limited in what it's actually reviewing, similar to what we did in Palo Alto, as well as ask for a comprehensive review of the hiring practices to ensure we're hiring the very best. To your comment, I listened to the Board of Supervisors meeting, I've read the report, and I would ensure that the department implements the five recommendations suggested by uh, Mike Janako. I think those are very valid recommendations and they should be implemented. Thank you for that. In your opinion, what do you feel needs to change at the sheriff's office? I, I feel like in your experience um, outside of the county, you and, and I think this has been part of your campaign as well, is that you really bring an outside perspective. Yeah, no, I, I do believe the sheriff's office paradigm on policing is how I've been phrasing it, uh, needs to be more open to review, community engagement and transparency. You know, the sheriff's office, it's no secret. They've been plagued with controversy for years, and it's time the organization has a fresh leadership who's open to outside review and input. Um, I think this will allow the department to start moving forward and becoming more in line with the community's expectations on how we serve. And I'm proud of the work, like I mentioned, that we've done over the past few years, and we need to continue opening the doors rather than being resistant to change. Can you uh, tell our listeners, how does your leadership approach differ from that of your opponent, as well as how does it differ from the current uh, administration under Sheriff Smith? Right. Great question. I mean, I think, honestly, I've listened to my opponent, Kevin Jensen, for nine months now in the various forums, and I've really come to the conclusion he's more of a divisive leader, where my approach and leadership is solution-driven. And what I mean by that is Kevin has blamed all the agency's mismanagement on one person. And I've yet to hear him address one solution other than the sheriff needs to go. And my approach is we're all one team through the good times and through the tough times. And we need to find solutions when problems arise, not cast blames on others. Accountability is very important. And we, you know, he's been part of that sheriff's executive team and he could have contributed to finding solutions over the 27, 28 years he was there. Divisive leadership, in my opinion, leads to silos, and that's exactly what we're seeing within the organization. And, you know, this for that type of um, uh, leadership, which is not healthy. And collaborative leadership leads to an organizational buy-in, leads to engagement and innovative solutions, both within the organization and for communities we serve. So I think those are probably the most uh, contrasting differences. Getting to... um criminal justice and the topic of criminal justice reform, how do you aim to balance keeping harmful and or violent offenders in jail while also working to reduce recidivism for low-level offenders? Yeah, that's a question that's come up quite a few times in our forums. Um, And I think it's important to understand that obviously there's certain individuals in our society that seek to harm others uh, in a violent way, and they need to be incarcerated. However, a vast majority of the people that we're arresting in this county my opinion, do should have the opportunity to thrive in society. And the sheriff's office could play a major role in that by ensuring they have access to programs. You may have heard me uh, say that I want to put a system in place where people graduate out of incarceration rather than just getting out after time served. 
And the reality is the majority of the rehabilitation programs are still at the state level. We need to start bringing these programs to the county level because we know for certain 100% of the justice housed individuals are going to be released out of that system one day. I addressed in, actually, it was addressed by uh, Aaron Zimmerman in today's Spotlight article, um, my belief that now is the time to especially uh, invest in green workforce training, especially with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, and really put an emphasis on those type of programs available to justice housed individuals. So big priority for me will be enhancing what the Sheriff's Program Unit offers. Uh, They're offering about half what they once were. And I plan to dramatically expand the programs available from the moment individuals come into the system. Sticking with the jail, uh, the county has been in a very delayed process. Uh, I believe Mike Wasserman, Supervisor Mike Wasserman, just said the other day that uh, he's terming out. And when he first started about 14 years ago, they were talking about building a new jail. So (laughs) a very delayed process to build this new jail and address existing aging facilities. Uh, At the same time, uh, the counties face criticism for not placing enough emphasis on mental health treatment. This is something that incumbent Sheriff Lori Smith has also faced criticism for and actually said that um, the county was placing an unfair burden on her by uh, essentially having nowhere for these mentally ill people to go and them ending up uh, warehoused in the jails. So I'm curious to know that if elected, what will you do or could you do as sheriff to make sure that county jails aren't used to warehouse the mentally ill? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's been really uh, fascinating is that, you know, these these projects do take multiple years, as you just mentioned. And I actually just went through that in Palo Alto with the approval of the public safety building, which is scheduled to be completed next summer. That was a a project in the works for over 20 years, and it took finally the leader, the chief, to get engaged in that conversation of what we need and how we need it, uh, and really to get it approved at an unbelievable time at the beginning of the pandemic was historic. But I've been listening to the conversations over the past several months, and I've said from the beginning that I want to be part of this conversation. So I'm actually pleased that the Board of Supervisors took that momentary pause in the the construction of the new jail. I'm a huge advocate for rethinking how we incarcerate and how we build these infrastructures. You know, why not build these facilities so they're more conducive to the well-being of everyone involved? I mean, both those that are housed and those that work. Um, I think that's critically important as we move forward. And the other thing is, is how we deliver services has dramatically changed since the pandemic began. So can we design a new jail with these service adjustments built in and thoughtfully considered? You know, telehealth, access to mental health services virtually, visitation flexibility have all become possible. And it may actually influence how we allocate space for the buildings of the future. So I'm actually excited to be part of that conversation and get that project moving forward. How can we ensure mentally ill inmates are not injured or killed while in custody, as we've seen in recent years? I I mentioned the Andrew Hogan case earlier, and I think that while um, the county and even the sheriff's office are moving towards uh, more of a restorative justice approach, uh, I think the fact of the matter is is that there's still mentally ill people in the jail in this day and age. Um, So I'm just curious, what can we do to ensure that they're not injured or killed while in custody? Right. Beyond ensuring the accountability measures are in place, which I think they're still working on and there's still more work to do, and really have those be complemented by comprehensive response protocols for individuals suffering from a mental health crisis, um, we really do need to invest in that continuum of care for individuals struggling with mental health or substance abuse disorders. And 
And honestly, I think Santa Clara County is building a model for others to follow by implementing programs in the communities like we're doing, and we have done in Palo Alto, the psychiatric emergency response teams, the mobile crisis response teams, and the trust programs that are all hopefully going to divert individuals before ever being incarcerated. So I think in time, we're going to start to see a decrease of those suffering from chronic mental health actually ending up in jail, which would be a great thing. But at the same time, we need to address some of the um, issues that are going on in correctional environment. And that's where I think some of that same layering effect could be beneficial. The crisis response teams, it's a collaborative effort, but also we can improve the access to care for incarcerated individuals by partnering with the educational institutions. Um, And what I mean by that is offering intern programs for students studying to be clinicians, psychologists, and psychiatrists, and really creating a model where there's a five-to-one ratio, five interns for every trained um, physician or or psychologist, because that'll immediately uh, expand the access to care. And that's something that's been heavily criticized for the sheriff's office. So at least have that point of entry, that human connection uh, available from the moment they come into incarceration environment. So we need to really do reassess how we approach mental health around the principles of normalizing it uh, and re-socializing individuals aiming to close the gap between the institutional conditions and the conditions of life and free society. Final question here, and um, it's a pretty straightforward one. There's no preamble except for the preamble I'm giving now. Uh, Why should residents vote for you? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) And I think it goes back to kind of what we, how we started is, you know, over the next few weeks, you know, people are going to have to make a decision on the direction the sheriff's office goes, whether they vote for the insider who's deeply connected with the organization or vote for an outsider who can bring a fresh perspective and a broad paradigm on policing. And I think I do bring, well, I know I bring that fresh set of eyes that's untethered to the organization, that's capable of addressing the problematic internal issues. And I have a proven uh, record for doing that and moving organizations where they need to be not only can I address the internal issues facing the sheriff's office, I can be instrumental in reducing crime throughout the county, just as I've successfully done in every city I've been chief for. Mm, Well, thank you for that. And uh, listeners, that was Bob Johnson, former Palo Alto police chief. Bob, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And when I'm back, I'll be speaking with retired sheriff captain Kevin Jensen. Hello, Josh Bruce here, co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. Did you know that San Jose Spotlight is Silicon Valley's only nonprofit news organization? That's right. Our impact journalism is funded by generous readers like you. And this year, we have plans to expand our reporting to other cities in Santa Clara County. If you find value in our reporting, consider becoming a sustaining member today with a monthly or annual recurring donation by visiting our website, sanjosespotlight.com. Thank you. Welcome back, and I'm here with Kevin Jensen, a retired captain with the county sheriff's office. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. So first, I'd like to start with an opening statement on who you are and what you aim to do with your candidacy. Well, thank you. I'm Kevin Jensen. I'm 59 years old. I've been married for 39 years. I have three children, nine grandchildren, and law enforcement gave me a chance when I was 21 years old. Um, my story, everybody's got a story. My story was not particularly great in the beginning. My father was in the worst prison in the United States for armed robbery. So I have a different take on law enforcement from the beginning um, at Angola State Penitentiary in Louisiana. And then 
some divorce and alcoholism and some of the dysfunction that happens in people's lives happened in mine. And people took a chance on me and um, some teachers, a pastor, uh, some really good people in the community, law enforcement intervened a couple times. So when I was 19, um, I, I got married to my wife that I met when I was 17. And uh, her father had also been incarcerated in San Quentin before she was born. And we just wanted to uh, do something different, make our lives different, make the community better. And I needed a chance, though, because all I had was a high school education. And we had two children uh, on Medi-Cal while I was having low-paying jobs, painting, blueprinting. And uh, we found Santa Clara County Sheriff's Office. My wife actually saw the sign. And I called. And in 1985, they took a chance on me and hired me. So... I told uh, them then if they ever took a chance on me, I would never stop repaying the debt. And that's why I'm still here. I have gone through the, um, you know, the whole academy was a challenge to me. It was something about giving back, not being better than anyone, but always giving more because I now had benefits. Um, I think I was making 900 and something dollars every two weeks, which is more money than I had ever seen. Um, I was just really blessed to have the opportunity. So I took it very seriously along the way. I, I promoted up through the ranks. I started going to San Jose city. No one in my family had ever had a, uh, a college degree. So that was my bridge through San Jose city and evergreen to higher education. And then I went on to St. Mary's and received my bachelor's in management, my master's in leadership in 2004 or five. And, um, since then I've been trying to, make sure that the law enforcement holds up to what its end of the bargain is. We're supposed to treat people with respect and um, be a little bit um, more responsible than, than some have been recently. And I'm, you know, obviously my, my former boss is, is on trial right now. So I graduated, I went, I went through internal affairs, the, the SWAT team. I've done just about everything. I was the traffic sergeant. I ran the jails as the assistant chief for my chief on day-to-day -day operations. It was the 10th largest jail system at the time. And then in 2010, she took it over. I've run the court system. I was the coroner. I worked up at Stanford and um, the level of experience is pretty much unmatched. But each time I just tried to make it better than when I left it. And I had a disagreement with the sheriff about the way things were running. And I've been fighting the corruption for the last 12 years, calling her out. I spoke for the Blue Ribbon Commission on the jails many times. I helped Judge Cordell um, gather and obtain information that led to the recommendations, the hundreds of recommendations that came out. I just feel we have to be better. The public deserves it. So um, if the criteria were perfection, I wouldn't have applied. But if the criteria was uh, the right motivation for giving back all the experience and then, um, you know, the uh, trust of the public and the people that have to do the job, then then I'm the person. There's been a lot of controversy with the outgoing Sheriff Lori Smith, as you touched on with this uh, ongoing trial, as well as how her office handled inmates at the jail. Uh, I think whether you or Bob Johnson end up as sheriff Either one of you is going to have um, an uphill battle, I think, in terms of not just dealing with these problems, but also the heightened attention on law enforcement over the last few years. So if elected, what would you do to build community trust? Well, I think I've got a pretty good head start. I'm very grateful for that. When somebody is working at the sheriff's office and is calling the sheriff out and then runs against her, remember I ran in uh, 2013 and 2014, I got 41% against a, uh, you know, then a four-time incumbent and then started speaking out of the board of supervisors meetings and started speaking out of the blue ribbon commission. I have done nothing but try to inform the public. I've never been mean spirited. I just called out bad behavior, bad management. And unfortunately the carnage that happened after she took over the jails from me and chief Flores. So I think I start with that. Um, 
people recognize now, they're starting to really understand who I am and what I've been doing um, in trying to make us better against the tide. I've taken my hits from the sheriff and from others, but all along I felt like we have to be better. This is something that I just can't, um, I cannot stand by and watch. So if nobody else was going to stand up against her in 2013, 14, I did it. Now you also have to build that trust with community groups that may not know me as well. Although I've done a lot of volunteer work for 25 years with Kiwanis and Cambrian, and I was on Next Door Solutions Domestic Violence Board and a few other boards. Um, I feel that meeting with our community groups, um, the chiefs all over the place know me because I was a California chapter president of the FBI National Academy Alumni Association. So I've got great relationships in law enforcement. And now gathering those uh, supportive Reverend Moore, Jethro Moore, who's um, supported me and uh, the bipartisan support of uh, Senator Cortez and Magdalena Carrasco and so many others, Don Gage and Supervisor Wasserman. I do not want to let the extremes run the conversation. It's about time for us to open our doors, be transparent, show what we do. And I think the best way I can do that is by inviting people in, community groups and others, to say, share your experience. Because I believe the deputies have already shown by backing me when I ran on a platform of reform, and transparency that that's what they want they just want it from somebody they can trust and unfortunately the sheriff broke that trust so if i can if i can have those shared experiences with community groups talk to our deputies and let them know what it's like to feel to be on the other side of a law enforcement experience maybe to be a person of color or a person who is um you know um is in a different uh, culture or a different orientation if those experiences are shared it's better than classroom training which is still important because it's a human connection so I believe that I have to reach out. I have to build that trust and earn it. That's how you how you run a sheriff's office. Sticking with transparency for a moment, uh, just the other day at a board of supervisors meeting, there was a report given indicating that the sheriff and undersheriff were uncooperative with an investigation. Uh, this was looking into a high profile incident with inmate Andrew Hogan. He was injured in custody. Uh, I'm curious to know, kind of along the lines of building community trust, what would you do to restore accountability in the sheriff's office? I've heard you talk about, you know, blue ribbon commissions and, and transparency. I'm, I'm curious to know, given that the sheriff's office has been plagued with scandals all these years, what can be done to change that? Well, I'm being elected running on the idea of transparency, accountability, and doing things with integrity the right way. I'm also running on uh, public um, excellence and public service. And, and uh, I think that what that shows is that it has to start from the top. How do you expect an agency to run and to follow an edict of responsible behavior, respect for everybody, if you're not doing it from the top? If you're constantly obfuscating, if you're constantly hiding the ball, then there's a problem. So I've got that reputation and I'm going to do it every day. And it doesn't come because I was born that way. Every day I have to look in the mirror and I have to say, how do I get better? I have to look at my weaknesses, which is, I think the difference, you know, with a lot of people is you have to be willing to admit that there is human nature in you and you've got to find ways to plan to combat that, to make yourself better, to uh, overcome those desires to be, you know, have all the power or longevity. So for me, I start with that. And I think that the accountability, working internal affairs. I realized that the myth of 99% of all officers are good or all cops are, excuse me, bastards. That's that's just a myth. Every organization has a, a, a group and a floating probably um, number, a percentage of people that are really high performers and have great character. There are some that need help, a big group in the middle. And then there are some that, that uh, might be failing, some that even don't deserve the job anymore. 
So I think for me, knowing that going into it, we have to make sure that the people that shouldn't be there are not there anymore. We have to set a standard that says you don't have to be perfect. Nobody does, but you have a higher standard than most. You have the responsibility and you have the power to take a life, to to incarcerate somebody, to cause a great disturbance in their life. And you have to be better than that. You have to have self-control. You have to have the right integrity so that you're not tempted and you're not going to ever take into temptation to abuse that authority. So I, I think it's not just talking about it. I've I've tried to example it, model it. And I think that's why I had 97% of the department behind me and all law enforcement. So it's going to be a, a, a big lift, but it's something that I've already started. And I think people really are desperate within our agency for leadership that walks the talk and isn't just image over substance. Now is the time to get your 2023 premium memberships at Gilroy Gardens Family Theme Park. If you buy now, you'll enjoy free admission for the rest of this year, which includes special events like the all-new Mystery Adventure Nights, as well as Halloween, plus unlimited visits for all of 2023, not to mention free parking, in-park discounts, bring a friend free Fridays, and more. Members make the most memories. Get yours now at gilroygardens.org. To be an entrepreneur, you have to have vision, confidence and purpose and like so many other business owners you have to find resources that can help you through tough times comcast rise changed my life they put me in a unique space where i could scale on my own more than 4700 businesses have benefited from the comcast rise program apply today at comcastrise.com for a variety of business marketing and tech makeovers on us keep rising So I, I think you've made it clear um, how your approach differs from Sheriff Smith's administration. I'd like to know how your leadership approach differs from your opponent, Bob Johnson. Well, I do not come standing on the laurels of something that I really don't agree with. The whole Los Angeles Sheriff's Office mentality is not something that I uh, subscribe to. I think there were major problems there. I've tried to be very, um, I don't call out all of the bad behavior that I've been told about that I've seen. But I will say that there were major problems that the DOJ investigated. And that was during his tenure as a sergeant lieutenant. The The narrative is that he fixed it all while well, he was in the middle of it. And now with all of the stories about sheriff's office gangs in, in Los Angeles and in um, some of the behaviors that were happening down there, there are a lot of good people down there. I know some of them. But a lot of the practices that were ingrained and embedded in this hierarchy that rewarded people who acted like they were tough and that they were um, they were rooting out all the problems. That's what we had in Rampart and LAPD before. So I think that for me, my um, difference is I've been here. I haven't gone to two, three, four departments. I haven't shopped around. I haven't. Um, I've been backed by all the law enforcement agencies that I've been in. He is not. So not one of them. Uh, not Menlo, not Palo Alto, and not LA has backed him. I've got every law enforcement backing. And that to me shows that once he's left, it hasn't really been on good terms. In fact, I mean, there was a vote of no confidence by Palo Alto Police Officer Association before he left. And I think he was going into retirement until uh, one of the supervisors said, hey, um, why don't you think about running for sheriff? I just think that's a poor excuse for running for sheriff. I've, got, I've started this job in 1985 and I've tried to make it better every single day since. 
So I think that's how we differ is my passion is to give the people what they deserve. We are not going to be a sheriff's office that has power as its first uh, priority. It's going to be public service and excellence in public safety. I have a few questions on the jail, but before we get to those, I was hoping you could clarify something. You've mentioned the sheriff's office taking control of the jail. I believe you said 2010. Can you give a brief explanation of that for listeners and, and what that meant for that shift? Yeah. So I went over in 2008. I was uh, running all court security from Palo Alto to Gilroy. I had run many divisions, uh, the reserve division, the community services division, patrol. And I was not enthused about what the sheriff was doing. I tried to be a person that called this out in meetings and I was getting ostracized and people who knew me were, were getting suffering because I was calling these things out. And I had an opportunity to go and help out at the jails as the assistant chief. Again, it was the 10th largest local jail system at the time. And I think our population was hovering more towards 5,000 than it is today at about 3,000. So the in 2010, the sheriff, after changing over from losing it, the sheriff's office lost the jails in I think um, 1987, I want to say. And then all this time, it's been a Department of Correction. And there were a lot of bumps along the way. But in 2010, um, we'd already suffered like three or four major budget hits. We were all hurting. Everybody in the county was hurting. And Lori Smith made an overture to get the jails back and promised that she could cut $10 million and do it seamlessly. And we pushed back and said, look, we've taken a lot of hits, the chief and I. And we said, we will try to find ways to save that money. But giving them back to the sheriff is the wrong idea. She's not the right person. And I even said at, at a board of supervisors meeting, I stood up when they made the decision. And I said, sheriff's offices probably should run the jails. That's the natural look. And I think 55 of 58 counties in California do it that way. But not this sheriff and not now. We've made too many strides. We're a national model in many ways. And sure enough, they gave them to her. Liz Niss um, agreed with me. And then, you know, they couldn't have known all of the mismanagement that was going on with the sheriff at that time. It didn't come out, but they gave the jails back to the sheriff. She instantly cut uh, managers at every facility. We had one lieutenant at every facility on every shift who was a manager who could overlook and look at videotape and really be a person that they could count on to give good management. And she cut those positions. So that's what happened in uh, 2010. And I went back to the sheriff's office. Thank you for explaining that. Now, um, getting back to the jail questions, this is a more approaching um, criminal justice. How do you aim to balance keeping harmful and or violent offenders in jail while also working to reduce recidivism for low-level offenders? I think that that's the problem for everybody right now. I've been watching, and I think the pendulum is swinging back. You know, there's a public tolerance is a real big part of it, and we have to have that um, relationship with the public to say, you know, what are we going to do about incarceration? So I believe with working with CASU, which is alternative sentencing with um, pretrial services, um, relationships that I've had for a long time, I believe that we can make a dent. We have to have mental health funding on the front end. I'm all for that. What I'm not for is saying either or. We need to have um, a system whereby we have compassion, my family has had rehabilitation. My wife's family has had rehabilitation through the jail system. But there's also got to be consequences. And I think that's the part that we started watering down. Maybe it was financial. Maybe it was um, lack of public you know, acceptance. But at some point, we've got to find that balance that says we're keeping the right people incarcerated so they can't seriously injure people or habitually offend to the point where 
in my own family, one person lost two catalytic converters within a week. That's $3,000 a pop. If somebody's doing that 10, 15, 17 times and we keep letting them out and they keep doing it, that sends a message that says we have to have a better idea about how we keep people in that aren't getting the message, rehabilitate those who can and find that balance. Getting to the actual jail facilities now, uh, the county's been in a delayed process to build a new jail for years, uh, and at the same time has faced criticism for not placing enough emphasis on mental health treatment. This is also something that incumbent Sheriff Lori Smith has touched on. Um, She felt that uh, the jails are being used to warehouse the mentally ill and that the Board of Supervisors were actually placing that burden unfairly on her. Uh, I'd like to know if elected what will you do or what could you do as sheriff uh, to make sure that county jails aren't used to warehouse the mentally ill? I believe that there is some truth in what Lori Smith said, that it is unfair to house mentally ill people in the jails or to warehouse them there. I believe that there are many levels of mental illness. I've watched it from minor to acute. And some people are going to have mental health issues and still be Uh, belong in the jail, especially those that are violent, that are still able to control themselves. Usually um, there's everything from depression all the way to schizophrenia and more. But there's a a group of people that will probably have some issues that are so violent um, that they still deserve to be there. The acute and those people on the front end, what we have to do is do a better job of getting the finances going now to fund mental health treatment on the front end before they become a jail issue. I disagree with the sheriff that once they are are in our custody, though, that it's not our responsibility or our fault if they get injured. We have to make sure that if they're in our care, no matter who they are, that they're cared for, that the public is being kept safe from them. They're being kept safe while they're there. So I think that the other issue is really going to be it's not an either or. It's not lock them all up or let them all out. We have to have both. The cost overruns, had we built that jail when it was supposed to be built, and I know a little bit about it because it was built, designed, excuse me, with um, mental health professionals. The look and the design of the new jail that we were going to build is so much better and more conducive to treatment, to um, getting uh, rehabilitation, and for clinicians to come in and have an environment that is really more um, able to help people. And they had five times the ability to meet with people where now it's linear and it's got one room and it was horrible. People were just waiting in line, spending excessive time in their cells. So that leads in itself to um, making the problem worse. So I believe that what I'm going to do is do both. I'm going to fight like heck for mental health treatment funding on the front end, but I'm also going to fight for a humane and conducive environment for mental health treatment when when they're inside our facilities. I believe we have to do a better job of helping people. And I think we need to make this a partnership. I don't see somebody that's controlling even the homeless issue and the mentally ill. We need somebody that says all these wonderful programs and um, NGOs are working, but none of them are really doing it in a, in a pattern that understands what the others are doing. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes they're stepping on each other. So I'd like to see a county position that says, here's how we're going to help facilitate the actual management of all these groups and what they're doing and maybe make it uh, more streamlined and better. Thank you. Final question here. Uh, It's pretty straightforward. Why should residents vote for you? Well, I, I know that the residents are telling me that they're voting for me because they know that I've been fighting for justice this whole time. It's hard for somebody in law enforcement to buck the system sometimes, especially under sheriff that had the tenure and the power and the endorsements that she's carried for so long. I did that when I was still working for her. I stood up for what was right because I believe there were others that did it too. It's just been very hard. Some just played the game. 
But for me, the residents understand now, and I hope they're getting more and more information that I've been fighting this fight for over 12 years. And if somebody's willing to stand up and suffer on the job, and then even after they're done to keep coming back and teaching law enforcement and to speak in front of the board of supervisors and the Blue Ribbon Commission and to keep running because nobody else that's qualified is running, then that's what I'm going to do. And I, I think the voters have seen the wealth of experience that I have. Nobody's more experienced in this system. And the, I guess the one thing is they're starting to understand the fallacy of the insider versus the outsider. I would never, ever ask for a sheriff's office, a, a sheriff's insider to be elected. But certainly with mine, I was a person who knew the inside of the system very well, but was definitely an outsider when it came to Lori Smith. So fighting this good fight, having the knowledge to do it and the right motivation I feel very, very honored that I'll get the vote of the public and I look forward to helping out. It's going to be an uphill climb, but I've been planning this for so long to make it right. And I've got relationships that are willing to start from actually before day one. So I think voters will be very, very um, understanding of the need to have somebody that can start from day one and who's actually been fighting it. If I hadn't been fighting this, I wouldn't deserve their vote. Well, Kevin Jensen, a retired captain and candidate for Santa Clara County Sheriff. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.